The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Gaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Okay, it's the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. We are talking about car thefts. Well, have you had your vehicle stolen or broken into? If you have, you're not alone. A new crime survey shows Alberta leads the country in vehicle thefts. In fact, 29% of all thefts in Canada happen right here in Alberta. Breaking it down, that's three times the national average and a whopping 62 vehicles a day. Now, in Edmonton, more than 4,400 vehicles were stolen last year. That's approximately 12 vehicles a day. With more, we're joined by Staff Sergeant Steve Sharp with the Edmonton Police Service. Hi, Sergeant. Hello, how are you doing today? Good, Good. thanks. So what's going on? What is it about Alberta and Edmonton? Uh, yeah, the numbers are definitely... Staggering. Concerning. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're up uh, 0.3% over 2000, you know, the previous year, but then up 17% mm. in 2016 over 15 in terms of theft of motor vehicles. So the numbers are of concern, and and certainly what we want to remind people, and we've got our motorists listening to you guys here today, is, um, you know, the numbers are very much of concern to the police service, and we feel that you'd be hard-pressed to find a friend or a neighbor, co-worker who hasn't been or heard tell of someone who's a victim of their vehicle being rummaged through or uh, their vehicle being stolen. With those types of numbers, certainly that's the case. You know, I know we talked about this uh, on and off over the last few weeks that at Christmas time I put uh, a doorbell camera, uh, you know, because of theft of parcels off mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, or not off my deck, but, uh, you know, I've read We've stories. about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's shocking how many people peek into your car or around your neighborhood that you never realized before until you keep an eye on it. So what's the solution other than locking your car? Is cameras the way to go? Uh, Certainly, you know, the cameras assist the police in identifying who is involved, how many people are involved. And sometimes it may not be that your doorbell camera, it tells us how many people we may be looking at, but then further down the road or they go into a convenience store shortly thereafter, you know. That will help us, but the key here is if if they're not actually getting rewarded, so to speak, for when they rummage through a vehicle, because I've heard of a school of thought where people go, well, I just leave my doors open. So they don't break the window, yeah. Yeah. But if you don't have anything in your vehicle, um, you know, we don't want to reward the behavior, right? So what I say is get that stuff out of the vehicle, and, and then there's, there's no reward there. Because some people go, well, it's only a loony or a toonie they took, so I'm not concerned. But we need to know that as a police service because maybe further down the road, um, it was more of a significant theft. Or when you add up rummaging through a whole set of vehicles on a block or in a mm-hmm. parking lot after hours... Um, we don't want these people rewarded, and I think if we can work with our citizens and keep this in the forefront of our minds, we might be able to make a dent into it. I want to talk, uh, just you know, focus a little bit on the on the stolen vehicles, if you don't mind. Is there any way, you know, I know obviously you do some tracking here, but to know what they're being used for, is it is it just a point A to point B? Is it being used in crime? And I'm also curious to know is how often do you recover them? 
Oh, um, I don't have the numbers on recovering. Them, okay. But, we, but it, it would speak to sometimes they're just circulating throughout the city. So we do have from point A to point B. But the concerning thing from a police perspective is they're used to commit other crimes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, all of a sudden they're being driven dangerously in many cases. Like police agencies regularly have stolen autos involved in criminal yeah. flights and their attempt to evade police. So that's the big component is taking them. So when we see pickup trucks being stolen, are they going to an industrial area and stealing other things? Are they used to facilitate um, uh, gas thefts at stations? So the vehicle theft side of the house, I mean, the police service has officers dedicated. They're called our trap team to address that. But they do pose a significant risk because they, they provide a criminal with some anonymity in the interim. Like before you wake up in the morning, you realize my truck or my vehicle stolen. What were they doing overnight yeah. with your vehicle? What kind hmm. of safety risks exist at, while your vehicle's in their hands? Because they're not concerned about signaling when they're driving your vehicle. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, I, I don't know that you know the answer to this, but perhaps you have a theory on it. But when I think of Alberta, uh, I think of a lot of pickup trucks. And you just mentioned pickup trucks. Do you think perhaps that part of the attraction in Alberta is the fact that so many people drive very similar vehicles? Well, there's no doubt that pickup trucks are among our most popular stolen vehicles. But again, maybe there's some complacency as well with pickup trucks. The company vehicle that you Mm -hmm. leave the tools in or whatever the case may be in some cases, people may not have that sense of loyalty like they would over their own pickup truck. So, um, but... But those vehicles do serve a purpose, certainly, when it comes to committing other crimes. You know, you you may want to use that pickup truck to ram something. You may want to use that pickup truck to steal other items elsewhere in the city. And and I know, you know, it's uh, well worth pointing out that you mentioned a moment ago that, hey, listen, if I didn't leave anything in in the uh, truck or the car or they only got a couple of loonies, uh, no big deal. But you really have to open up your mind a little bit and think, well, wait a minute, my registration was in the vehicle. my name, some personal information was in the vehicle. Right, my garage door opener, uh, which could be uh, used in a later crime of uh, breaking entry into the house, right? I mean, there's other things in your car that you don't necessarily see as valuable, but would be very valuable to a criminal. And you know what, that's a very valuable thing you say over your radio waves here, because the thing is, um, until it happens to you, that sting, and then you go, oh my goodness, you don't think of it right away, you go, my laptop, my work laptop stolen, and then you start thinking, Where's the garage door opener? And it mm-hmm. becomes a trickle-down effect. And it, it, a lot of people are very uneasy, as they should be, because the fear of, well, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. So you got to really go back to it and, and, and really do a scan of your vehicle next time you park. Well, what message am I sending? What items have I left vulnerable? What could I put in the trunk? Why do I even carry these items in my vehicle to begin with? My kid had his passport in his vehicle, and it was broken into downtown, and guess what was stolen? His passport. That other shoe may not have dropped yet. Yeah. (laughs) No, and and you know, the one thing there, Jaylen, is a lot of times people are puzzled. They'll say, well, I can't believe someone would enter my vehicle to steal my empty gym bag. Well, they had to get in there, grab it, run away around the corner, and then go, oh, there's nothing in here. But sometimes these are like grab bag potential, the empty guitar case, and someone goes, why would they want an empty guitar case? Because they didn't confirm it was empty until they were <laughs> yeah. on their way. Right? Yeah. So yeah. How, how important do you think it is, uh, Steve, that, because we've talked about this on the show as well, how important is it to be aware of your neighbors, to know what vehicles they drive or who the lives around you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you obviously can't call the police every time a strange vehicle comes down your street. But is it important to at least be aware that a vehicle or a person doesn't belong in your neighborhood? 
Yeah, um, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people are going the route of you uh, with the doorbell cameras, or there are a lot of surveillance footage. So as a part of having a healthy community, it's getting to know one another. Hey, have you noticed this crime pattern has been happening? I had someone come to me the other day and said, hey, last night someone put a flashlight in my window. Mm. I said, well, go to your neighbor and find out if it happened to them too, uh-huh. because now you're feeling like you're the individual target. But it's like, this is a great opportunity to have a conversation with people on the within your block. And this is uh, this particular, these two crimes, crimes uh, theft from and theft of motor vehicles are great dialogue starters so that people can start to think of it. If you find yourself in a jam and you're a victim of it, I would go to door to door and someone go, oh, hey, I never met you before, but yeah, I don't mind looking at my clock from, or my camera from Mm -hmm. 3 a.m. to 4. Sure, I'll do it. You know, it's funny because uh, Jalen and I were talking about this. I can't remember how it came up in conversation that my car had been broken into years ago, uh, but I hadn't locked the vehicle. So they opened the door, they stole a few things, and I put the report in at the local detachment just to get the insurance going. And the police officer working the desk said, oh, I'd like to introduce you to your neighbors <laughs> and introduced me to three people who live on my street. Yeah, they only got... Uh, they got very little from me, but they took a significant amount of stuff from the guy yep. down the street. Yep. And we, I would not have known had I not gone in that I, you, cause in your mind, I mean, you're a police officer. We're not in your mind. Some guy drove to your house, got into your car. You see it as very individual. Right. Like it's just a crime against you, but you don't realize it could be a crime against the neighborhood. And you know what? It might be really hard for us to assist you in yours, but then all of a sudden we can do similar fact evidence and say, okay, well, Camera A has the suspect over here, and 10 minutes later, they're down there. And we have someone in between saying their vehicle was rummaged, and all of a sudden we have more counts of the behavior, and we start to add it together. So we need to know what's going on, and that starts with the the neighborhood dialogue, too, because people get together and say, what are we going to do about this? How can we work together? Well, you know, we were talking about the other day about that break-in out by my place and how the neighborhood shared all the information. Mm -hmm. Just completely, you know, on on a similar note, but much less serious last night, found a dog that was lost and I'm like okay who do I go to to find this Holly knows everybody in the community (laughs) my neighbor Holly actually keeps track of who owns what dog just in case something happens to figure out who it is whatever she keeps it down yeah, on a piece of paper. The nosy neighbor comes in handy every uh, now and then. I wouldn't say nosy, but I was just, <laughs> I was impressed. She grabbed a piece of paper and she's like, oh, Charlie belongs here and Jake belongs there. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to op- yeah, take this opportunity to recruit here. If yeah. Holly <laughs> is able and willing and interested in a career with the Edmonton Police Service, we are always looking for You know, Steve, I know we... Oh, let uh, her know, Steve. Thanks. We, we asked you on the show to talk about car theft, but uh, while I have you, uh, just curious you have uh, advice as well when it comes to home theft or break-ins. Is it a good idea? I mean, what what is a good idea if you're leaving on vacation? This is the time of year where a lot of people head south. Is it to leave lights on? Is it to have somebody sit the house? Is it to have a security system? Close all the drapes? Yeah, like what would you recommend? Well, you got to think that, you know, the education that the criminal... earns over their lifetime and their career is they're looking for things. And we don't think of it ourselves. So if the flyers are sitting on the table or on the uh, doorstep mm. and, uh, on that house and no one else in the neighborhood, clearly no one's home. If the, especially with the snowfall yeah. recently, if mm. there's no tire tracks going to and from the garage, well, maybe there's no one home. So I would recommend uh, have somebody, uh, a trusted friend or family member, come by and intermittently change the lighting around, you know, uh, 
tonight I'll put it on upstairs, tomorrow I'll put it in here. You could leave a TV on. But the big thing is maintenance from the curve, because a lot of times these people aren't going to spend a whole bunch of time scoping out. They're going to go down really quickly and go, oh, wait, no, we got a vehicle, we got a home here that clearly they're on a vacation to somewhere warmer where they didn't want to shovel that driveway. So you're saying yeah. more of an, uh, a crime of opportunity than planning. In most cases, you know, it is just, a, you know, because we see somewhere where they went in to grab some mm-hmm. empty bottles by the side of the house, you know. Uh, yeah. And then while they're that much closer, they thought, oh, well, I may as well take the uh, the snow uh, thrower while we're yeah. there type thing. So, and, like, I think about the man doors on garages and stuff like that, eh? you know, on on the back of a garage yeah. or something coming in. And how often do you actually lock the man door into your house? All of see, those things. See, it's a things. funny thing. I've said this before. It drives me nuts. I'm locking them all the time. Well, I've said this to police officers before, and nobody's ever acknowledged that it's a good idea. And I don't expect you to either, Steve. But when we built the fence, uh, we have a detached garage. And when we built the fence, the guy who did it asked me on which side of the garage I wanted the gate. And I told him I don't want a gate at all. I want somebody to have to climb over the fence to get into my backyard or be able to come through my garage. So, you know, I shut that big garage door. We lock it when we're uh, not using it. And I don't want to make it any easier for somebody just to open a back gate and walk into my backyard because you can see the front of the house. Lots of people see the front of the house. Not a whole lot of people pay attention to the back. Yeah, and if you don't do your garbage disposal to the mm. back, that might be an option. I, I feel the same way with my kids, right? Now they can't get out because there isn't an option behind my home, just like you okay. described yours as well. So there's there's reducing access control is another component to crime prevention through environmental design, which we can talk about on another show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> we those, put our, those just, alleys, though, those back alleys, yeah. and so many neighborhoods in this community have back alleys, like yep. Terwilliger, and my gosh, you know, you don't see anything back there. No, you don't. I like, you know, Steve, just so you don't lose sleep over my garbage tonight, <laughs> we just put it out through the garage, right? So we can get to the back alley, no problem at all, access-wise. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm thinking about honestly putting uh, motion sensor lights in that back alley for no other reason than to draw some attention to somebody doing anything yeah. back there. It, it, it's funny because people will often say, and I'm sure they say it to you, Steve, when their car gets broken into or their house gets broken into, well, it's such a nice neighborhood, I wouldn't have expected that to happen. Well, that's why it got broken into. You're right, because if there's a crime spree tonight in the neighborhood where 35 cars are rummaged through, and I'm not saying it's the same criminals doing it, it's a big city, and look at how staggering the numbers are. But that same person is not going to come back to the same fishing hole, so to speak, Mm. tomorrow night. So they're going to move on and find other vehicles and other vulnerability points. And the other thing is, once it happens to you, there's an initial sting, and it takes a while, but then you... Human nature, you're you're busy, you got the job, the work, the life, and we just fall back a bit and we yeah. forget about it and we go, oh, I left my sunglasses on the dashboard and it was just enough for someone to want to enter that vehicle and take well, them. I love the EPS Twitter account reminding you to do your 9 o'clock check on a regular basis. Get out there, walk around, take a look at things. Staff Sergeant Steve Sharp, thanks for joining us this afternoon. My pleasure, thank you. All righty. Talking about car thefts, vehicle thefts. Those numbers are just unreal. Just eye opening. just uh, talking during that commercial break about kind of the things that go through your head mm-hmm. and for me the garage door opener is is a huge fear mm-hmm. um, especially you know then you have 
depending on where it is, if if they're, you know, if, if the if your car is broken into someplace other than outside of your home, right, then they have everything. They, they, they do. Know. And it, worth repeating oh. as well, that information on your registration and your insurance doesn't even have to be missing from your car. Um, that information can lead to identity mm-hmm. theft, right, without you ever knowing how. I mean, uh, two, three months from now, when something happens to your bank account, and you, th- you uh. will not connect to those two mm-hmm. incidents, right? But I was telling Jayla and I, and bugs me to even say it, but I had gotten one of those AMA cards that says <laughs> all valuables have been removed, and but I did not one night remove all valuables. And somebody broke into the card that night and took, uh, you know, some, some change, uh, a couple of bucks that I have for Tim Hortons between the seats, a uh, pack of cigarettes, my sunglasses, that kind of thing. Um, but they took that card and they <laughs> stuck it um, in my sunroof as though to say now all the yeah. valuables have been removed and it was just that you know people who get broken into often talk about feeling violated yeah. I, I, I just that angered me like it wasn't enough for you to take my stuff y- you had to rub yeah. it in my face as well when right? I think about that and I think about your home Right. Oh, if the home's home, a whole other. If your home has been broken yeah. into and things stolen and things trashed, and mm-hmm. what about your animals and what about all your private stuff? Like, oh. I will never ever understand vandalism. I I can't wrap my head around it. I've never understood it even as a kid. I don't obviously agree with breaking in or stealing anybody's uh-huh. stuff. But if you're doing that, why would you vandalize the house on top of that? What What's the point? You know, spray painting a wall or breaking stuff. Like, what's the point of that other than... Or you're being a... You're just being a... You know jerk, what? yeah. Right. Yeah, big jerk. You know, I, or... or ripping, the word I want to say, yeah, I can't say, exactly. but you know what I'm saying. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just angers me because, like I say, it's just, it's not enough to be a thief and a lowlife. You, you have to also be a thing about it. But it goes back to kind of knowing your neighbors or at least knowing mm-hmm. your neighborhood a little bit more. And we touched on this last week and, you know, the the staff sergeant touched on it as well as kind of knowing who's driving what, not necessarily being the nosy neighbor, but just mm-hmm. being one that's aware. Um you know, just, oh, okay, they don't look like they're home. Keep an eye on, on that. Like I said, Holly, last night when I went to Holly's house, it was like, yeah, because she, she knows. She's, she knows yeah. who everybody is. She knows who's so dogs. So you haven't actually told that story. So you, you found a dog last night. I saw it on Facebook. Oh, so it was a bit of a, a gong show. Driving home, left here at 5.30, got, um, was coming down the street to turn into my neighborhood, and my next-door neighbor was outside of her vehicle holding on to this big dog. And she said, I don't know what to do. He was out on the road. She says, i got to take my son back to his dad. And I'm like, fine, just put him in the back of my car, and I'll, I'll go figure out who it was. I figured I knew who owned the dog, mm-hmm. but went to another neighbor, and he said, oh, no, that's not Jake. And I said, okay, well, now I have a problem. <laughs> now I have a problem. Kind of drove around the neighborhood, looked for somebody who was looking for a dog. Right. Um, if you've ever looked for a dog, you know what those people look like. They're driving slow. They're calling their name out or, yeah. you know, walking around with a bag of treats in their hand. Sure, yeah. Couldn't find <laughs> anything. Yeah. Um, went to the neighbors behind me, but they all have big gated, gated fences, mm-hmm. and no one was answering. So the one guy who did, he said, as I said, that's not Jake. And I said, okay. Now, what do I do? Can I ask? Because I know I've, I've heard the story before, but I just wanted to clarify a point. So the neighbor who should be able to identify the dog as Jake says, no, that's it's not, not Jake. Jake. Did you go, hey, Jake, 
I did. To see did. if it would react to that? I was calling that? him a bunch of names in the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a tag on, but it didn't have any information on it. And we tried to open it, mm. and it wouldn't open. So I went over to Holly, and I said, Holly, do you know whose dog this is? Anyway, she wasn't sure who it was. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to get the dog to a vet clinic to see if it has a chip in it, a microchip. That'll help. So I drove all the way over to Windermere to the vet clinic. No, there was no chip. She tried to open the lock on this thing on the dog's collar. She couldn't do it. So now now what do I do? She says, take it to the emergency clinic. They'll keep him there until the Humane Society people come and get him in Mm. the morning. I'm halfway over there. I called them, thought I better check. And they said, no, we don't do that. So now I turn around I'm going all the way back home, and my neighbor, who initially found the dog, says, "We'll put him in our garage because I can't keep him at my house. My dog will lose their mind. my dogs will lose their mind." So Tara says, "In the garage, we put the big crate out." Her partner comes home five minutes later. He says, "Jay, all you had to do was open this lock on his collar." His name's Jake. It was Jake. It was the dog that I thought it was all along <laughs> that I spent two and a half hours trying to find well, his owners last that's night. That's pretty good commitment on your part. Aww. But once you've got the dog, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with like, them? Like, you can't let it go again. I can't just right? let him go running again. So how did he get out? I don't know. Huh? I don't know. Well, now you know where he lives now at least I know where if he, he gets lives. out again. Yeah, there's Jake and Max. They both look alike, apparently. <laughs> anyway. Well, good idea. You got it back to its owner. That's oh, the important man. thing. Huh. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.